My name is Brian Coulton, Chief Economist at Fitch, and I'm joined today by Robert Sierra from Fitch's economics team. Our topic today is Eurozone CapEx, something that's been quite a disappointment for several years since the Eurozone crisis. But now we're in an environment of upgrading our Eurozone growth forecasts and positive surprises on the numbers. We've decided to focus on this in a little bit more detail. Robert's just published a report analysing the outlook for CapEx in the Eurozone. And so I thought we'd start, Robert, with just give us a very quick rundown of the main conclusions of the report. Thank you, Brian. I think the main thrust of the report is that capital expenditure is actually happening in the Euro area. It's not a prospect for the next year or the months ahead. It's actually happening now. I think the number of factors that were holding back investment in the Euro area as a whole are no longer there. There are no longer those obstacles which prevented companies from spending their cash. There are five factors which we think are driving the overall CapEx story. And if, if we sort of list them in terms of importance, we have access to credit, the cost of that credit, alternative sources of finance that companies have been able to access. There's the drop in uncertainty, political and economic. Uh, there's a better profits outlook. There's the better Eurozone growth outlook. And there's also a fall in debt levels across the corporate sector. So if we were to focus on you know, what's really changed in the last year, I mean, there's, you know, there's lots of different factors there, so it sounds like a kind of perfect storm coming together to, to boost the outlook for CapEx, but of those things that you just mentioned, what have been the most important things that have changed, I guess, in the last 12 months? In the last 12 months, I think what's become really evident and really important is that companies, and in particular SMEs, the smaller companies, have been able to access credit. Credit has become more accessible. The lending standards set by bank lending officers have become easier, so the credit flowing is very important. I think that I would put that as, as the number one factor in the Eurozone. And the second factor, which we've sort of already um, alluded to, is the, the uncertainty, both the political and the economic. Um, If you go back to the beginning of last year, we had a number of general elections in France and and other countries uh, where the threat was of populist governments uh, threatening the the sort of the European Union project. That's no longer the case, with the exception that perhaps Italy um, in the forthcoming elections in March may throw up some levels of uncertainty. But on a grander scale, the political uncertainty is no longer there. And the economic uncertainty is no longer there. The growth is becoming more synchronised across developed countries. So clearly we're getting more optimistic, but give us a bit of a flavour to the extent to which this is already fact versus just forecast. Uh, to what extent are we already seeing this in the numbers for, for capital expenditure? I think if you split it into hard and soft data, um, the, I think I have to start with the soft data because they are forward-leading indicators. Sometimes perhaps they could not give the true picture because they may exaggerate trends. But the overall trend in the soft data is that there is better confidence among companies. Capacity utilisation rates are increasing. As we said, banks are more willing to lend to corporates. The demand is already there, evident in surveys. But in terms of the hard data, the hard data also backs the case in terms of capital expenditure by countries and across sectors is is coming through. And is it just one or two sectors or is it broadly based across countries and and sectors? What's the story in terms of the actual numbers? As you say, on aggregate the the picture looks very good and I think at the national level it also looks very good. Obviously there are trends at the national level which uh, vary across the major four countries 
But I, I would say that Germany, Spain, France are, are leading the way, Italy perhaps not so much. In terms of sectors, you have machinery and, and equipment, which tend to be more pro-cyclical, and they are growing quite fast. Now you make a lot in the report about the role of the SME sector. Why are we focusing so much on, on SMEs? SMEs really are the backbone of the Eurozone economy. They provide the bulk of the employment for the Euro area. They generate most of the, um, of the sort of gross value added, the, the output of the Euro area. And also, importantly, they provide or they generate roughly half of all the capex in the Eurozone. The problem with the Eurozone SMEs is that bank lending is essential. SMEs depend critically on bank credit. So the lack of bank credit to SMEs was one, was one of the major obstacles in, in, in sort of the CapEx story. Now that's quite interesting you're saying it's all about bank lending, which kind of leads me to the next question, which is how vulnerable is this recovery that we're seeing in CapEx already to any withdrawal or even, even a slowdown in the pace of monetary easing. You know, Draghi has said several times in his press conferences that the, the recovery they're seeing is good, but it's still very much dependent on monetary accommodation. But you know, we think that the ECB is going to scale down and phase out the QE program this year, which could have an impact on, on market interest rates. So is that shift in monetary policy ahead going to uh, crimp this recovery in CapEx, do you think? We, we don't think it does. I mean, the, the, the prospect of tighter monetary policy is not an immediate uh, prospect. It's something that will happen maybe two years down the line. Our forecast basically has that, based on what the ECB has been saying, what, what they are saying essentially now is that they will end QE at some point towards the end of this year. But the prospect of higher interest rates will not come in the ECB words, until well past the end of QE. So what we've said is that interest rate hikes of only 50 basis points that we, we priced into our forecasts will not happen until sometime in late 2019, middle to late 2019. So monetary policy it remains loose for the time being. I think that's, that's one supporting factor. The second supporting factor is that corporates in the Eurozone have built up a large financial net surplus. Um, the third factor that I've got to mention is that corporates also built up a large uh, cash holdings. And fourthly, I think the main point to make here as well, supporting this, this sort of idea that, that interest rate hikes are going to uh, trim capex, is that if you go back to 2015, the ECB carried out a survey where um, at the time the cost of borrowing was a lot higher and the flow of loans was a lot slower than it is now. So at the time, corporates basically were saying, corporates and SMEs were saying that access to credit and the cost of credit was not the main important factor. In, in, in fact, the main factor for them was demand and certainty, or uncertainty. Cost and access to credit came 14th in the, in the long list of factors. I mean, that's interesting. It sort of contradicts a little bit what, what Draghi himself has been saying about you know, how, how important monetary easing is. But, but maybe I'll come back to this point about, you know, in aggregate, we think that corporate sector finances are, are pretty strong and therefore you know, that this, this capex recovery is not too vulnerable to a change in monetary conditions. Is that a conclusion that holds across all of the major countries in the Eurozone? M most countries have got a very strong, uh, on, on aggregate, a strong balance sheet. I think the... Uh, 
the standout for me, or the, the major blot on the, on the horizon, is France. For a number of years, non-financial corporations or corporates have run persistent deficits. So for the last decade or more, this deficit position was such that corporate levels have, have, have been rising uh, steadily. And you end up in a position now, at the current, uh, the last data point, where corporate debt as a share of GDP in France stands around 130% or thereabouts. Uh, and you compare and contrast this, this position with Germany's position where their ratio is something like 30% of GDP. You also contrast France's position with, say, Spain, who also had a very high level, a high ratio of debt. But in the last three to four years, their ratio has actually dropped. And I think it's dropped to something like 100, 100% of GDP. Yeah, there's that very striking chart in the report of, of Spanish versus French yeah. corporate debt, with Spain coming down from a much higher level, and now France France rising and overtaking Spain. It's, yes, uh, that's quite exactly. a striking picture. I think. Exactly. I think it, it, it's, it's something that the ECB is, is is aware of. I think, but they haven't made a huge amount of noise. But it, it's it has been noticed, particularly by Benoit Couré. Uh, who, who said that they are keeping an eye on, on France's corporate debt. So I guess France is a country to watch, but, but generally we're pretty confident that any change in monetary conditions isn't going to scupper this uh, expansion too quickly. And I guess what you said earlier about this is partly about the declining uncertainty, that's a big driver and that's not something that the monetary policy is necessarily going to change very much. I, I guess just to wrap up, I mean, we've talked a lot about the corporate sector and business investment, but just a, a brief word on, on residential investment. Is that also picking up? Is that broad based or different trends there? Again, it's, it's the same uh, national trends vary across the major four countries. If you look at the whole aggregate picture, it was dominated obviously by what happened in Spain. There was a large build-up of, of um, investment on the coastal areas and then a, ma a major collapse in, in investment, residential investment. And I think this masks the whole residential investment picture for Europe. But I think if you Despite the, um, the, the sort of long-term picture, if you look at it in, in the last uh, few quarters of the last year or so, prices, uh, property prices in major districts like Madrid and Barcelona are beginning to pick up, despite having this surplus of, of property, empty properties on, on the coastal area. And also in, in Germany, the large migration flows that you saw uh, a couple of years ago, uh, it means that the demand for and the supply of the residential property is significant. And, and these two factors, in a way, are, are, are driving residential investment. That's great. Well, thanks very much, Robert. The report, Brighter Prospects for Eurozone CapEx, is available on FitchRatings.com. And thank you very much for listening.